that song. I don't believe I've ever come across it before, but if you were paying attention to the lyrics, it's a perfect lead-in to our passage, which is Isaiah chapter 17, beginning at verse 12. We as Christians do have a message for the nations, and it is a, a me message of global proportions, national political proportions. It's a message about a kingdom, that the kingdom of light, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of the Lord is real, and that it is established, and the true king of kings and lord of lords is on the throne, and that his kingdom is coming. And it will be a kingdom made up of people of every tribe, tongue, and nation. And that's who we are. That's the message we bear. It makes me think of Psalm chapter 2 that says basically, why are the nations in such a rage? Why are they in such upheaval? I've already installed my king. And that's, that's the reality. And that's the message here in Isaiah chapter 17, beginning at verse 12. It was the message for ancient Judah. It's the message for us here today. And uh, it's also going to be our final passage in Isaiah for this year. I uh, decided we would spend two months of the summer moving the ball forward downfield in the book of Isaiah. And uh, it's been good, and we're going to stop at this. And next week we'll begin uh, in Matthew, where we left off the last time we were in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount. And we'll progress in that for the latter part of the summer. So I'm looking forward to that too. Before we begin reading our passage, would you bow with me once more in prayer? Let's just ask for God's help. Father, would you please help us to understand this ancient scripture? Help us with our attention spans to pay attention to this ancient scripture. Help me to, to preach well, not in a way that glorifies me, but in a way that's helpful for your people. And we know you've promised that your word is very powerful and that it never goes forth without accomplishing your purposes. And we just embrace that together, and we want that. We ask you for that. Would you please accomplish your purposes in us through the reading and preaching and reception of your word now? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's begin simply by reading the first couple of verses, Isaiah 17, beginning at verse 12. Ah, the thunder of many peoples. They thunder like the thundering of the sea. Ah, the roar of nations. They roar like the roaring of mighty waters. The nations roar like the roaring of many waters, but he will rebuke them, and they will flee far away, chased like chaff on the mountains before the wind, and whirling dust before the storm. At evening time, behold, terror. Before morning, they are no more. This is the portion of those who loot us and the lot of those who plunder us. Now, if you'll recall, those of you who have been here in the last several weeks, in Isaiah, God is talking to his people, Judah, and he's giving them what they call here oracles or heavy, important messages regarding their neighboring nations. The ultimate concern is that God's people would panic because there was going to be such a national upheaval all around them. There's going to be Nations charging in, conquering, attacking, everybody was going to be panicking, and he didn't want his people to turn to pagan neighboring nations to make treaties with them and, and ally themselves with them, because that would mean not just that they were trusting in those nations, but they were trusting in the pagan idols of those nations. And so we've been reading just a series of oracles about their neighboring nations, and God's just saying, don't go connecting yourself with this nation because this is what's going to happen to them. Don't go connecting yourself with that nation because this is what is going to happen with them and so on. 
And here he's continuing that thought, and he's just beginning with this meditation on just how terrifying it's going to be when all this upheaval begins for God's people. When there are nations rising up against one another, the threats would become so intense and so loud that they would be tempted to just completely forget about God and just cling on to the nearest nation that might be able to help them and give them some sense of security. He says here, and and again, his beautiful imagery, that it's going to be like the thundering of the sea, like the roar of waters. Our family just went to the beach recently, and if you've gone to the beach and if you have kids playing out in the surf or, or out, my family likes to ride waves on floats. I don't know if anybody else does that. I always thought everybody did that, um, but maybe not. But if you're, if you're on the beach, if you're coming down from the, the sand and you're trying to get your kids' attention, you're, you're powerless to do it. You cannot yell loud enough to overcome the roar of the seas, especially when they're choppy and the waves are big. It's too powerful. It's such a good image of just how powerful and intense the fears can get. It was going to get intense for them. It was going to get loud. And when things get loud and our fears get loud, we have a tendency to panic. And when we panic, we have a tendency to just turn to any sense of security that we can find. Usually just the first thing our eyes land on, we will grab hold of for some sense of security. And in our grabbing hold of something for security, we can just completely forget about God altogether. That's why God's people need these reminders of how powerful he is. And we need these reminders still today, even all these generations later. You need to remember, God is powerful. He is your refuge. He is your source of strength. He is your source of security. And any alternative source of security that you might grab hold of will disappoint you eventually. We are designed to hang on to God himself as our source of peace and security. He, he's very jealous about that, and rightly so. So he doesn't want us to turn to other things, just like he didn't want his people here to turn to pagan nations for a sense of security. So he's reminding them of how powerful he is, so they'll just wait and trust him. So all these nations are going to gather up, they're going to be roaring like the waters, but he's just simply going to rebuke them, and they're going to flee far away. It's going to be so easy for him. It's nothing for him to rebuke a nation and send that nation scattering. It's, it, there's no effort involved. It doesn't tire him out. He just, a word, and it's done. And again, the imagery, just don't let your eyes skip over it. It helps you to absorb what he's saying here. They'll be like, in verse 13, chased like chaff on the mountains before the wind. And we don't deal with chaff very much in our modern society. That's the light stuff when they would harvest the grain that the wind would blow away. But one thing we do deal with is dropping a receipt in a parking lot on a windy day. And the chase is on. And you're trying to get it. And you're trying to get your foot on it before it keeps blowing away. That receipt, that light flimsy thing that just the wind that you can't even see blows away, that's what the nations are like before just just the word of God. Something that can seem so powerful and so mighty and something that can seem to have been established for hundreds of years, just in an instant, just just gone. The other image he uses there in verse 13 is, is chased like chaff on the mountains before the wind and whirling dust before the storm. Have you ever seen, I've always loved this, 
is rare, but have you ever seen when a little, like, kind of cyclone of dust stirs up? Uh, we drove by a construction site on our way out of town at some point, and so it was all just dirt and dust. They had leveled a huge amount of land. And so it wasn't like a tornado, so it wasn't scary. It was just the wind was whipping around like that, and, and it was dust in the air. And he said, that's what the nations are going to be like when I rebuke them. If you could stand in the middle of that, that dust blown in the wind and just try to grab any of it, you wouldn't really even be able to get any of it. Maybe a little residue. That's how weak and flimsy this all is compared to the eternal power and strength of God and the power of his word. It puts things in perspective to remember these things. We have to be reminded all the time. So we're right now on this ancient giant national scale looking back at ancient Judah here. Does this have any relevance for all the way to today and, and your little problems, which may actually seem kind of puny in comparison to the roaring of nations? Is this relevant for us? Can we apply this to our fears now? Well, I think we definitely can. That's what Jesus did. We won't flip there and read it, but if you struggle with anxiety, I bet one of your favorite passages is where Jesus says, uh, you know, don't worry about what you'll wear. Look at the flowers of the field, how God clothes them, and don't worry about what you'll eat. Look at the birds of the sky, how God feeds them, and so on. And at the end, his point is, just seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. So remembering God's power and the kingdom that he is establishing doesn't just secure us in times of national threat. It secures us in times of, what am I, am I going to have enough money to pay the bills? Am I going to have the wisdom for this difficult conversation I need to have? It's the same source of security, no matter the scale of the problem. Our same source of security is God himself. We, through Jesus Christ, we've been reconciled to God himself. He is our father now. And if God is for us, what could stand against us? We never have anything to fear now. So what's your problem? What problem plagues you right now? I guarantee you all have some issues, some problems that are on your mind, and I guarantee that they are legitimate. Or it might not even be that you can put your finger on it, but you just feel lousy. Whatever it is, Remember, God is powerful. It's such a simple truth. Uh, if, that's, if this was a test question, you would all get it right. But do you live your daily life in light of the fact that God is powerful? He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. And that he is for you. If you are in Jesus Christ, God is for you. What could stand against you? Not even nations, much less the much smaller scale issues that we face this week or that we've worked our way through last week. He is powerful. And one day he will set all things right. In the meantime, just like he wants his people here to just trust him and wait and not go connect themselves with pagan nations. In the meantime, in the midst of the problem, and we may find ourselves in the midst of the problem for years, he just wants us to trust him and wait. Just trust him and wait on him. He will set things right. And you can trust him. Don't turn to some alternative for a sense of peace and security. Turn to God. Here, people were tempted to turn to alternatives. So we'll keep reading into chapter 18, verse 1. Ah, land of whirring wings that is beyond the rivers of Cush, which sends ambassadors by the sea in vessels of papyrus on the waters. Go, you swift messengers, to a nation tall and smooth, 
to a people feared near and far, a nation mighty and conquering, whose land the rivers divide. So in other words, here's another nation that was scrambling to make alliances, scrambling to send ambassadors, scrambling to just figure out a path to find some security in a time of such great upheaval. They're looking for a people, it says, tall and smooth. It may be referring to a specific nation, or it might just be the idea of just a people who've got their act together, a strong people that maybe can help us and save us. Our human instinct is to do just what this nation is doing. When the danger hits, is to look side to side to see who can help us as opposed to looking up to our God. This is what they were getting ready to do. Let's read on into verse 3 and 4 to see what God says about it. All you inhabitants of the world, you who dwell on the earth, when a signal is raised on the mountains, look, when a trumpet is blown, hear. For thus the Lord said to me, I will quietly look from my dwelling, like clear heat and sunshine, like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. I really like verse 4, so I'm going to read it again. For thus the Lord said to me, I will quietly look from my dwelling like clear heat and sunshine, like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. Now what's he talking about here? One of the main reasons I think that we tend to look toward other sources for security instead of God himself is simply the fact that he's not here. At least that's how it feels. For Judah, they knew, just like you know, that God is powerful, but they could not see God. They could see their neighboring nations and their armies and their past military victories, and they could see with them a tangible way to find some security. And we're the same way. We may not be looking to other nations, but we know God is powerful, but I can't see God. I can't grab hold of him but I can grab hold of the person beside me. I can trust in my spouse. I can see them. I can rely on them. I can put my faith in them. I can see my parents. I can see and experience my job. That's something tangible. I'll lean into that. I can get my hands on my money. I can see my bank account balance. That's something that I can find some security in. I can look at my phone in the moment of insecurity and my lack of peace. I can't see God, but I've got this. I've got an infinite source of comfort here. I can see my food. I can see my, my plans I've listed out on paper. I can find security in these things that I can see. I know I should trust in God, but this threat is too dangerous and it's too loud, and I just can't see him. I can't get a hold of him. I've heard a lot of people say, I just wish it was more like it was in the Garden of Eden when God was present there. They could see God and walk with God in the cool of the day and the cool of the evening, and they could, they could be physically present with him. Or I wish it was like when Jesus was on earth and I was like one of his disciples and I could physically be there. Then my faith would be strong. Then I would be able to find peace trusting in God. I think we've all had that sentiment, and I've heard many people express it. But we forget the fact that the disciples did way better after Jesus ascended back to the Father than they did while he was right beside them on earth. While he was present with them, they were kind of a mess. But once he descended and he told them ahead of time, it's going to be better for you that I go. It's actually going to be better for you that 
God is not here physically present with you because then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And then God is going to be so present with you, he's going to be more present with you than any physical person can be present with you. He's going to be dwelling within you. And it was when the disciples received the Holy Spirit that they finally began to get a grip on the Christian life. God is saying to his people back here way back years ago in Isaiah 18, the same thing he's saying to us, I am here. I'm not just some powerful, distant idea. I am very much present with you. And it's hard to grasp and it's intangible, but God is more here with you than anyone or anything else could possibly be here with you. Now, it's very difficult to think this way, and I think that's why he uses imagery like this, but just look at how beautiful this is. Back in verse 4, it says, I will quietly look from my dwelling like clear heat and sunshine. So just let's dwell on that for a minute. Y'all may not fall in love with that phrase as much as I have, but it's like clear heat and sunshine. So in the mornings, I try to have my, my time in the Word and in prayer. First thing before the rest of the household wakes up, it's just what's works, what works best for me. And so I've been going to sit outside because if my cat hears me up, he starts meowing and it wakes everybody else up. So I have to kind of ninja-like sneak outside in the morning to have my prayer and Bible time. And lately, believe it or not, in the mornings, if you're up early enough, it's actually kind of cool in the shade. And so to sit there in the shorts and a t-shirt in the shade and try to pray and read your Bible is kind of uncomfortable because it's cool. And so I'll, I'll ninja sneak through the house over to the other side where the sun is hitting. And so I was meditating on this passage while I was sitting in that sun. And I was like, man, this really helps me understand. You're sitting there in the sun and you can, you can see it. You shouldn't look directly at it, but you know it's there out of your peripheral vision. You can see it. But you can feel it. You feel the heat, the clear heat in sunshine. Now, what is more present with me on that front stoop? The actual sun that I'm seeing visually or the clear heat of the sun that is all around me, almost inside me. It's like I'm in an oven baking me. That's what God's presence is like. He is with you like the clear heat of sunshine is with you on a hot day. So take right now, for instance, what is closer to you, the person beside you or the coolness of the air conditioning? What's actually closer to you? Well, it's the coolness of the air conditioning. Some of you are hot in nature and you're like, I don't feel no coolness of no air conditioning. But you know what I mean. Even if you're husband and wife and you're sitting like shoulder to shoulder, the coolness of the air conditioning is still closer. It's completely enveloping you. And that's what God's omnipresent hereness is like for his people. That's how close God is. So, here and now, when we are afraid, don't turn to alternative sources for security because we feel like God is distant. Those sources of security are miles away compared to the closeness of God himself. And he, we know it's hard to think that way, but that doesn't mean it's not true. It's absolutely true. He says to look and to listen, look and hear. So now I always want to get practical and not just theoretical, and normally we do the practical part in the fellowship hall after the service, but in in this case we're doing something different over there today. So I do just want to ask the question, okay, how? I believe you, Matt. I believe that God is here and he's more present with me than anything or anyone else could possibly be. 
and that I should turn to him for my sense of security in threatening times. But how do I actually do that? How do I think this way in real life? And I'm going to give you, it's going to sound like a very trite Sunday school answer, but I think it's, it is the answer. That is where reading your Bible and praying comes in. When we're reading our Bible, we're not just studying ancient texts. We're not just trying to be scholars. We are listening to God himself. He has said that his word is living and active. This isn't, this isn't just a book. This is God's living and active, real-time word to us. And prayer. Prayer isn't, just, uh, it, prayer isn't just a mental exercise that calms us down and gets our mind off of things. Prayer is actually communing with and interacting with the God of the universe, who through Jesus Christ we've been reconciled to and we get to rely on like little kids relying on their father. And so for me, I mentioned I do it first thing in the morning. I have found personally that if I don't, if I don't start there, I can't get a hold of it for the whole rest of the day. And this, this has been clarifying for me because I think many of you have experienced that. If, if you don't start your day off or have some routine of what I call a quiet time or a devotional time, um, you've heard people say, my whole day goes worse. Well, it's not like karma. It's not like if you do that, everything's going to go great for you. You might have a terrible day. But if you do that, it tunes your soul to the reality of God and his nearness to you. And then you've got a much better chance of living your day in light of the truth that he is near to you. If you don't do that, if you wake up to your phone and you wake up to your email and you wake up to your to-do list or you wake up to social media or you wake up to entertainment or whatever it might be, you're most likely going to get all messed up. Your soul's not going to be tuned in to the reality of God's presence with you. And you're going to stumble through the day. You're going to stumble through the day like someone who, who has not been reconciled to the God of the universe. So that would be my practical suggestion to you. Just start your day in the Word and prayer. You're like, well, I don't know how. I don't know where to start. That's fine. Just start honestly right there. Just get someplace with your Bible and just go to God that honestly in prayer. I want to live in light of the fact that you're present. I don't know that I ever have, but I want to. Would you please help me? That's the kind of prayer that God answers. You might not get a, a lightning bolt of awareness of his presence right then and there, but you'll grow into it if you'll just faithfully seek it. If you'll draw near to him, he'll draw near to you, as the scripture says. He is here, he says, I will quietly look from my dwelling. And where is his dwelling? It's, it's with us like the clear heat in sunshine. Now let's read on a little further, beginning at verse five. For before the harvest, when the blossom is over and the flower becomes a ripening grape, He cuts off the shoots with pruning hooks, and the spreading branches he lops off and clears away. They shall, all of them, be left to the birds of prey of the mountains and to the beasts of the earth. And the birds of prey will summer on them, and the beasts of the earth will winter on them. Now, this this might seem obscure, but basically he's saying these nations have these great plans, and they're all in an uproar, and they seem so mighty, and they think they know what they're doing. But my plan is going to supersede all that. And they're going to be like farmers who are up early in the morning. They got their coffee and their tractor all ready to go. And they're about to go harvest and, and reap all their planning and all their efforts. And they're going to see that I've already done it. They're going to get there and, and I will have thwarted them in a way that they never expected. That's in essence what he's saying. Nations, just like people, we get so wrapped up in our plans and concerns, we forget about God. 
If we factor him in at all, he's a minor factor. But if we're thinking right, according to his word, he will be the factor. And we have one more verse that points us to where all this is headed. Let's read verse 7, and we'll conclude here. It says, At that time, tribute will be brought to the Lord of hosts, from a people tall and smooth, from a people feared near and far, a nation mighty and conquering, whose land the rivers divide, to Mount Zion, the place of the name of the Lord of hosts. So in other words, these people facing incredible danger and turmoil on a national scale, they could rest assured that they know where it's all heading, as can we. We know where it's all heading. The Bible has made that very clear. When we watch the news and we get all disturbed or we see, we read social media, which why would you? I don't even, is it like, it's just so disturbing. We get that sense of turmoil within us. We get swept up into the confusion around us. We feel that there's danger everywhere. Sometimes it's so intangible, we don't even really know what it is we're afraid of. We're just scared. We're just anxious. We can remember where it's all headed. The full and final rule of God through Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, over a nation built of every tribe, tongue, and nation on earth. It's all heading toward that day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus promised that he's coming back. He's going to fully and finally establish his kingdom. And through his reign and rule, all things will be set right. So human history is not swirling out of control. It's all heading toward a predetermined destination. And so we can be at peace. And so we come here every week so we can renew our faith in our ever-present God. Because in between, during the course of our daily life in the week, everything conspires to take our eyes off of him and onto something more physically tangible. We remember together every week he created us. We remember that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross so the sinners like us could be made right with him. We remember that he raised Jesus from the grave and seated him on the throne of the kingdom of God and that Jesus is alive. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. We remember that God loves us. We remember that God is with us. And it is hard to trust him because it is a little intangible. And maybe that's why Jesus gave us a physical, tangible way of remembering these things with the Lord's Supper, which is what we'll turn our attention to now. Jesus gave such a simple act to keep us connected through faith in his death for us, for our sins, and his resurrection for us as our King and our Lord. A little piece of bread, a little drink, different churches do it in different ways. Right now we're doing these little packets. It's nobody's favorite way to do it, but it's still representing the same powerful truths. We're going to have a a special song now, and it's a time for us to reflect on what we've heard in God's word, a time to reflect on our own lives, if we have been turning to other sources for security other than the one true God to whom we've been reconciled. After this song, I'll come back up and lead us through our time participating in the Lord's Supper. But before that, let's pray. Father, thank you for your scripture. Thank you so much. Thank you for reminding us that you are present with us. Please help us not to panic at any point. 
Please help us not to panic and turn to other sources for security. Teach us how to turn to you. Teach us how to live in light of the fact that you are very near to us, that you love us, and that you are powerful. In Jesus' name, amen.